I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. In today's reading, we'll be looking at the first four chapters of the book of Nehemiah. Now, before we begin reading the book, there's something that you must know about the book of Nehemiah. It's not just history. Let me explain the significance of the events that we're going to see here in the book of Nehemiah. First, let's talk about the book of Ezra. It records the decree from the Persian king Cyrus and the resulting completion of the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. However, the city at that point had not been restored. The walls around the city are still in a mess when we see the writing here in the book of Nehemiah. The book of Daniel contains a prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 verses 24 through 27 which covers a number of issues. But the one we're most interested in here is the decree to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. Daniel 9.25 says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. That term weeks is translated from the Hebrew word Shabuah, which means a group of seven. So here's where we are. Daniel 9.25 says that the time that lapses between the decree that actually results in the rebuilding of Jerusalem until the Messiah's coming will be 483-somethings. That's 7 times 7 plus 60 times 7 plus 2 times 7. That equals 483. Well, the decree went out in Ezra chapter 7, verses 7 through 28, in 457 B.C. to rebuild that city. However, 12 years later, the project had stalled. The walls had not been rebuilt, worked on, yes, but not completed. Nehemiah gets the project back on track. And by the time we finish reading the book of Nehemiah, the task is complete. That being the case, according to Daniel 9.25, 483 units of something will pass from the issuing of the decree until the coming of the Messiah. It just so happens that 483 years passed between that decree in Ezra chapter 7 and the beginning of the public ministry of Jesus Christ. Here's the really astounding part. Daniel's prophecy was issued over 100 years before these events in Ezra and Nehemiah even began to take place. So how is that for prophecy that you can actually use? If you want a fuller understanding of the ins and outs of that prophecy and the beginning of the decree and so forth, go to my written notes on Daniel chapter 9 verses 24 through 27 to see the chart and everything that you need to understand that prophecy. So as you read Nehemiah here, keep this in mind. Satan respects prophecy. He believes prophecy. He does not want the countdown to the Messiah to begin. The decree in Ezra 7 had stalled. If Nehemiah gets it back on track, then the countdown continues from that incident, that uh, decree in Ezra chapter 7. So Satan's mission in the book of Nehemiah is to stop that project, to keep those walls from being built. Satan knows what a fully rebuilt wall means. 
So obviously he's been on stopping its completion. And that's what Nehemiah is all about. So how do the events of Nehemiah fit into the whole chronology with the book of Ezra and Esther? I've developed a chart. If you click on the link that's found on this page on the written notes of BibleTrack.org for 1225 for December 25th, you'll see the chronology of those books. The temple dedication was seen in Ezra chapter 6 verses 15 through 18 and that had taken place back in 516 BC. The events in Nehemiah take place beginning in 445 BC. Now chapter 1, Nehemiah is a cupbearer. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, And it came to pass in the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive, and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, or the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, if ye transgress, I will scatter ye abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me, and keep my commandments, and do them, though there were of you cast out into the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them into the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power, and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and of the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah in this passage gets word from a fellow Jew about the condition of the broken down walls in Jerusalem. Something must be done. Well, the first step, pray about it. That prayer begins in verse 4 and continues all the way down to verse 11 where we see Nehemiah's request to God for an opportunity to discuss the subject with the king. We are told in verse 11 how Nehemiah gains regular access to the king. He was Artaxerxes' cupbearer, a daily attendant to the king of Persia, his bartender, so to speak. It's going to be difficult to be cheerful in the king's presence after hearing that the people in his own hometown are so very, very miserable. In chapter 2, we get Nehemiah's approach to the king. Verse 1, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, 
Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad, when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, If it please thee, king, and if thy servant hath found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me into Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may rebuild it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come unto Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace which appertain to the house, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. The date here is 445 B.C., that's the 20th year of Artaxerxes. The temple in Jerusalem had been rebuilt 71 years ago, that was 516 B.C. But the wall around Jerusalem was still a mess. Equipped with prayer, Nehemiah delivers the cup of wine to the Persian king. Well, why the long face, Nehemiah? asked King Artaxerxes. Well, just depressed about my hometown, replies Nehemiah. So King Artaxerxes authorizes Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem to fix the wall. We see here in verses 7 and 8 that Nehemiah even gets letters of authorization to rebuild the wall from the king himself to take to Jerusalem with him. Now as we get to chapter 2, verse 9, Nehemiah has arrived in Jerusalem. Verse 9. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, unto the dung court, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain, and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up in the night by the brook, and viewed the wall, and turned back, and entered by the gate of the valley, and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went, or what I did. Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. 
But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build, but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Now the term that's used here in verse 9, beyond the river, is a reference to everything west of the Euphrates River. Nehemiah travels to Jerusalem with a military escort and looks over the situation. He has letters of authorization from the king in his hand and presents them to those charged with governing of the area. It's not clear to them at this point what Nehemiah actually intends to do. After Nehemiah spends some time looking over the broken down wall around Jerusalem, he then meets with the Jewish leadership there and unveils his plan. The folks are excited about the decree to rebuild the wall. They're ready to build. Not everyone is happy, though. Sanballat the Horonite, Tavai the Ammonite's servant, and Geshem the Arab are going to be problems here, guaranteed. These men are not Jews, and they have some type of leadership positions among the people in that region. They waste no time in their resistance to the plan. We observe that in verse 19. It says this, But when Sanballat the Horonite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn, and despised us, and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? That was a suggestion that the only reason a city needs walls is for the purpose of resisting the Persian kingdom. In chapter 3 we see what we're going to repair. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and built the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it. Even in the tower of Mea, they sanctified it into the tower of Hananael. And next unto him built the men of Jericho, and next to them built Zakur, the son of Emri. But the fish gate did the sons of Hassaneah build, who also laid the beams thereof, and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. And next unto them repaired Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Kaz. And next unto them repaired Meshalom, the son of Berechiah the son of Meshazabael, and next unto them repaired Zadok, the son of Baanah. And next unto them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their lord. Moreover, the old gate repaired Jehoiada, the son of Paseum, and Meshalom, the son of Besadeiah. They laid the beams thereof, and set up the doors thereof, and the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. And next unto them repaired Melatiah the Gibeonite, and Jadon the Maranathite, the men of Gibeon and of the Mizpah, unto the throne of the governor on this side the river. Next unto him repaired Uziel the son of Harhaim, of the goldsmiths. Next unto him also repaired Hananiah the son of one of the apothecaries, and they fortified Jerusalem unto the broad wall. And next unto them repaired Raphaim the son of Hur, the ruler of the half part of Jerusalem. And next unto them repaired Judea, the son of Harumaf, even over against his house. And next unto him repaired Hattush, the son of Hashbaniah. Malchijah, the son of Haram, 
and Hashub, the son of Pehoth Moab, repaired the other piece, and the tower of the furnaces. And next unto him repaired Shalom, the son of Halohesh, the ruler of the half part of Jerusalem, he and his daughters. The valley gate repaired Hanun, and the inhabitants of Zanoah, they built it and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof, and a thousand cubits on the wall unto the dung gate. But the dung gate repaired Malchiah, the son of Rechab, the ruler of part of beth he built it and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. But the gate of the fountain repaired Shalon, the son of Kahazi, the ruler part of Mizpah. He built it and covered it and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof, and the wall of the pool of Siloam by the king's garden, and into the stairs that go down from the city of David. After him repaired Nehemiah, the son of Azbach, the ruler of the half part of Bethzer, unto the place over against the sepulchres of David, and to the pool that was made, and into the house of the mighty. After him repaired the Levites, Rehum, the son of Bani. Next unto him repaired Hashabiah, the ruler of the half part of Keilah, in his part. After him repaired their brethren, Bevai, the son of Henadad, the ruler of the half part of Keilah. And next to him repaired Ezer, the son of Jeshua, the ruler of Mizpah, another piece over against the going up to the armory at the turning of the wall. After him Baruch, the son of Zebai, earnestly repaired the other piece from the turning of the wall unto the door of the house of Eliashim, the high priest. After him repaired Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Kaz, another piece from the door of the house of Eliashim, even to the end of the house of Eliashim. And after him repaired the priests, the men of the plain. And after him repaired Benjamin and Hashub over against their house. And after him repaired Azariah, the son of Maaseah, the son of Ananiah, by his house. And after him repaired Benuai, the son of Hinnadad, another piece, from the house of Azariah unto the turning of the wall, even unto the corner. Pelal, the son of Uzai, over against the turning of the wall, and the tower which lieth out from the king's high house, that was by the court of the prison. After him, Padeah, the son of Perosh. Moreover, the Nethanims dwelt in Ophel, unto the place over against the water gate toward the east, and the tower that lieth out. After them, the Tekoites repaired another piece over against the great tower that lieth out, even into the wall of Ophel. From above the horse gate repaired the priest, every one over against his house. And after them repaired Zadok, the son of Emer, over against his house. After him repaired also Shemaim, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate. After him repaired Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaf, another piece. After him repaired Meshalem, the son of Berechiah, over against his chamber. After him repaired Malchiah, the goldsmith's son, unto the place of the Nethanims and of the merchants over against the gate Mifkod, and to the going up of the corner. And between the going up of the corner and to the sheep gate repaired the goldsmiths and the merchants. So in these 32 verses of chapter 3, we see the dividing up of the task of rebuilding the wall. It was a very well-organized venture. Sections of the wall are assigned to different groups for completion in these verses. Barring any problems, this could be an easy task. Remember, though, Satan knows that we're not simply talking about repairing a wall here. If this task succeeds, start the countdown to the Messiah's coming.
The next chapters should be quite interesting here. Because Satan knows that the successful completion of the wall begins the countdown to the Messiah, Satan, of course, wants to use every available means to stop these rebuilding. His tactics here are very Satan-like. As a matter of fact, he still uses tactics like these today against believers themselves. That fact gives us a whole new interesting perspective to the book of Nehemiah. Let's give a nickname to the book of Nehemiah, shall we? Let's call it Satan and his bag of tricks. In these first five verses of Nehemiah chapter 4, we see intimidation through ridicule. Verse 1, But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they built, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Hear, O God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for prey in the land of captivity, and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. Sanballat and his buddies come to poke fun maliciously at the efforts of the Jews to rebuild this wall. Verse 1 says they took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Well, that didn't stop them. The Jews continued to rebuild despite this taunting from the enemy. Ever been discouraged? Does Satan use other people to get you down? Well, they just work right on through it. Oh, they did pray against Sanballat and Tobiah, though. Then we find the threat of their safety in verses 6 through 23. Verse 6, So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together into the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. But it came to pass, when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up, and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God, and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them, and slay them, and cause the work to cease." And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places I even set the people after their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. And fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it came to pass, when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto his work. And it came to pass from that time forth, that the half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, and the bows, and the habergans, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which built it on the wall, and they that bear burdens, 
with those that laden, every one with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, The work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one far from another. In what place therefore ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither to us. Our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise at the same time said I unto the people, Let every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be a guard to us, and labor on that day. So neither I, nor my brethren, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every one put them off for washing. They won't work if they feel that their lives are at risk. Satan must have conjectured that, but he was wrong. Sanballat and Tobiah declare war on these construction workers. Look at Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 8 says, And conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Well, now, that's going to slow us down, especially considering that they intend to slay these Jewish workers if that's what it takes to halt the work on the wall. However, those scrappy Jews just strapped their weapons to their side, posted guards around the work areas, and kept on working on that wall. They worked from sunup to nightfall every day and slept in Jerusalem at night so they could guard their work. Another satanic attack failed. However, Satan won't be giving up quite this easily. Too much is at stake here. And I guess we'll see in tomorrow's reading in chapter 5 what Satan's got up his sleeve for these workers after this. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walker.